It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked On Reds. And here we go. What is happening, Reds fans? TGIF, and welcome inside the Locked On Reds podcast. Today is phoning in Friday. Today I have Chad Dotson from Red Leg Nation Radio in to talk with me about our mutually favorite team, the Cincinnati Reds. Hope you guys enjoy the conversation. We're just going to dive right in. I have with me, talking on the wonderful Skype, Mr. Chad Dotson, one of the authors of The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds, and the host of Red Leg Nation Radio. Chad, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing as well as any Reds fan can be doing these days, uh, but I, I, I'm actually doing pretty well. I'm, I'm telling you what, are you on the lifeboat or are you still on the ship that is currently sinking in the water? I, you know, I really don't know what to say. This team is not this bad. They, right. they look awfully bad and they're tough to watch. They're really not this bad, are they? I, I don't think so. Right? I mean, Lance McAllister tweeted out after the game, they are now hitting as a team 200 on the season. That seems less than ideal. A little bit. I, I couldn't believe, I know our good friend Joel Luckup t- tweeted the other day that this is the worst batting average they've had in this amount of games since 1908. I don't know. I mean, I remember 1908 pretty vividly. I don't know if you do or not. Barely. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, I, man, I, what, at what point, I know I'm getting not really bombarded, but there's a lot of folks on Twitter that are just like, boy, you know, things have got to, things have got to start happening. They got to start. At what point do the people who are wanting everyone to panic, when do they have a point? You know, I'm of a couple of minds on this. The first way I think about it is that we're three weeks into a six month season, six, six plus months. So, you know, clearly it's not time to just bail right now. Uh, The other side, though, is that this is three weeks in which they've been, except for about four days, they've been pretty awful. And uh, overall, anyway, and have not won many games. And it's coming on the heels of five consecutive last place finishes. And here they are again in last place and uh, staring back up at the uh, rest of the National League Central. So I guess I'm not ready to to jump ship. I think that this is still fundamentally an essentially pretty good team. Um, a 500 team, but at this point, you know, they're seven games under. If they play 500 the rest of the way, they're still, you know, they're still going to be seven games under. So it's going to be an improvement over last year, but not that much of an improvement. I don't know. I, I think you do have to adjust your expectations a little bit, but I just think these guys are what the back of their baseball card says. They're not, this, when we talk about the offense, they're not this bad. And so at some point they have to, they have to come back around. I keep telling myself that, but now if we're another uh, six weeks into this and the Reds are still, Struggling, I, I I may decide to find something else to do for the rest of the summer. 
Telling you what, I, I think my 100 win prediction is looking uh, pretty bleak right now. Yeah, I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> I was optimistic. I don't think I was that optimistic. When you look at these performances, and then, you know, today, the the one thing about the Reds-Dodgers game that seemed to permeate baseball Twitter, not just Reds baseball Twitter, but all of baseball Twitter, was the fact that Joey Votto popped out to first base for the first time in his entire career. That seems like a microcosm for what the lineup is doing right now, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, historically bad things that we've never seen before. I mean, yeah, Joey Votto popping out uh, to the first baseman. Uh, just, I can't believe it's never happened before, but I never would have thought that a team with this many good hitters would be hitting, as you said, 200. I mean, you look at the good, really good hitters who are just hitting horribly right now. I'm talking about Votto. I'm talking about Matt Kemp. I'm talking about Yasiel Puig. I'm talking about Jesse Winker. I'm talking about Scott Shebler. Now, there are different levels of how good those guys are, but each of those are, you know, average to above average hitters, and they're all among the worst hitters in the league. It's, all of that happened at the same time. It's got to be a coincidence, because if there's some other uh, explanation, that kind of worries me even more than if it's just coincidence. But, man, what bad luck, and the Reds needed uh, did not need any more bad luck this year. Right. And I don't know, I, I got a chance to check out Eno Saris's piece in The Athletic about guys who might be pressing and why that eventually is going to be okay. But the guy at the top of his list, he had a list of hitters whose swing percentage in 2019 compared to their swing percentage in 2018. From our perspective, why on earth do you think Jose Peraza just refuses to look at a pitch? It's really strange uh, with that guy because he has shown uh, times in the past extended periods where he has absolutely, uh, you know, uh, not just looked at the pitch, but uh, taken walks and been much more selective. And, and I was hopeful that over the last season and a half, essentially, it'd been a pretty good trajectory overall uh, mm -hmm. in terms of him learning the strike zone. And this year, he's kind of the poster child for it. But uh, the Reds are swinging at more pitches than they've ever swung at, basically. Uh, or at least in in recent memory. And so I don't know if it's something that Turner Ward, the new hitting coach, is stressing, or David Bell, the new manager. I don't know, but it has seemed to cause Peraza himself to fall back into some seriously bad habits, and you see what the results are. I mean, he he's, he makes good contact generally, but he's got to work the, 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 the strike zone just a little bit. Um, anyone has to. He's not that good enough of a ball striker. And so... Yeah, 14 strikeouts so far this season for Peraza and zero walks. That's, that's, that's not going to cut it. But what we're thinking, and, and I believe I'm in agreement, Sonia, with this, is as our old friend Dusty used to say, water's going to find its level, right? Yeah, that, I, I mean, that's what I keep telling myself, and that's why I've not completely given up any hope that this team's going to be a competitive ball club this year. Because these guys, you know, like I said before, they are what the back of their baseball card says. Joey Votto's going to hit. Now, is he going to be the MVP Joey Votto again? Uh, yeah, okay, maybe not. Matt Kemp is going to hit. Is he going to be MVP level? No, almost certainly not. Um, but is he a better than average hitter? or you know, At worst, an average hitter? Yeah, I think he still is. Uh, Yasiel Puig, same. I mean, he's you know what, 28 years old, and he's never reached the, the heights of his early career, but he's still been a big hitter over these uh, years. He was Scott Schellner, who people like to rag on. He's been an, an average to slightly above average, slightly hitter for his entire major league career. So, I mean, the guy can actually hit uh, other things he can't do, but he can hit at a decent level. So, 
this guy, it's not possible I, unless we're living in the twilight zone it's not possible that all these guys are uh, not eventually going to find their level whatever that level is and it may not be a level that you know Vado may not as we said may not be back but they're going to find a level that's way higher than what we have now and at that time point uh, assuming the reds pitching continues to it may not be as good as they've been but it continues to do what they can do it still should be a pretty interesting team the rest of the way i just don't know if they're going to have any chance of digging themselves out of the hole they're creating for themselves Kind of help me with my next tra- transition there, you know, moving from the dismal half of the inning where the Reds have to hit and moving to what has been an impressive half of the inning so far this year with the Reds pitching. Let's talk about a couple of guys that have just been absolutely phenomenal to watch. And the first guy I'm going to start with is the first guy that every single one of us thought was going to be pitching on a different team. And that's Robert Stevenson. Good old Bob Steve. What What's going on with him? I mean, I think at this point we could about call Derek Johnson a wizard, right? <laughs> if if Stevenson is what he looks like uh, he's been so far, then yes, I think Derek Johnson is already in line for a big-time raise. Uh, you know, Stevenson, a guy, of course, that was uh, everyone thought was going to get designated for assignment at the end of uh, spring training. Didn't right. think that uh, he was out of options, and, and no one really thought that he was uh, he was injured early, so no one really thought he had a chance of even making this team. Just the numbers didn't work out. And lo and behold, you know, and we're just talking about nine and a third innings here, but still, over that period of time, not only has he been outstanding, you know, a 0.96 ERA, but the part that's just dazzling me is he's walked one guy. I mean, he's always had this stuff, always. You could all, Even a guy like me, who you know, what do I know, could tell this guy's got better stuff than anyone else. But he's never able to keep the ball in the strike zone. And, and if you can't uh, pitch it within the strike zone, you can't win. Right now, I think what's happening is, uh, pitching out of the bullpen, he's limiting himself to just those two pitches. And uh, it has been a revelation because he's able to, to command them. i got to give Johnson some credit, give Stevenson some credit. He seems to have been coachable because that's one of the knocks against him in the past is that he wasn't that coachable. Well, if you give Johnson credit, clearly Stevenson's listening to him. So that's something. I don't know. I mean, he's not this good, obviously. But... We're seeing some flashes of a guy that was a first-round pick, and I'm really blown away, and I got my fingers crossed that it's going to continue because that's like finding you know, a stud arm out of nowhere that you didn't expect. You know, uh, It's like when they got Scooter Jeanette for free. You know, you, you find a, a contributor essentially for free here because it's a guy that I thought was going to be gone. So it's exciting. Let's talk a minute about BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has an introductory offer for the Locked On Reds listeners. You just go to bluechew.com, B-L-U-E Chew.com, and enter promo code MLB for a free introductory offer. You just pay $5 in shipping, and it gets sent straight to your door. What Blue Chew is, is a generic form of Viagra. It has the same, you know, the same uh, active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis, and it's in a chewable form, so it works faster. It's the kind of thing that if you want a performance boost in the bedroom, it's going to get you what you want in a quick way. That's bluechew.com. Enter promo code MLB for a free introductory offer. Bluechew.com is a sponsor of the Locked On Reds podcast, and we thank them for sponsoring today's episode. Kind of following along the lines with overreaction theater with the hitting, like at what point do we think Robert Stevenson can get some high leverage? I mean, he pitched in a decent, decently high leverage situation two nights ago, but 
At what point do you think the Reds say, you know what, maybe we can lean on this guy a little bit? Well, I think right now. I mean, you know, I don't throw him in every high leverage spot, but I do look for some spots that when we got we have a really tough spot, we need to get a couple of right-handed hitters out and uh, maybe some runners on base and throw him in there. Let's see, because, uh, you know, we're never going to know until we know. And, uh, and, and I want to see what he does. And what I've seen so far, I see no reason not to, given those chances. Again, if he's not walking, if he continues to not walk guys, he is he's always been great during the stretches when he hasn't walked players. So so we know he can be great. So, yeah, I'm ready for him to be be uh, an integral part of this bullpen right now. Frankly, I'd rather see him a lot of times than uh, Hernandez in those situations. Not that I don't like uh, David Hernandez, but um, I'm eager to see what he can do. I'm with you there. David Hernandez has kind of been I mean, today he pitched okay, but he's been a little shaky to start. Let's talk about another guy, and I think he's really making an argument for himself. Not last night, notwithstanding, but Tyler Malley. How close do you think he's making it that when Alex Wood returns, that the you know front office needs to decide? All right, is it as cut and dry as just send down Malley, keep Disco in the rotation, and bring in Wood? Oh man. You know, I think if you're looking on talent and on results, I think that Malley's going to have a great case to be made. I just, I don't see the Reds doing that, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and maybe there's another spot that opens up at some point. There's always going to be injuries, things like that. But Malley is the guy that uh, pretty much everyone hoped he would be as he's progressed here. Now, he's not going to be, you know, an ace. But I do. I still believe he can be a number two guy eventually. He's not that right now, and there's no question in my mind that right now he's a number good four, four or five type starter. I mean, he can really help a, a good team in that spot. So it's tough to send a guy like that down because he's ready. I mean, he just needs to learn to pitch against major league uh, pitchers consi- or major league hitters consistently. He needs to work in the big leagues. There's not a whole lot else he needs at a Triple A. But it's going to be really fascinating to see what happens when Alex Wood returns, and there's still a little while before that happens because. He certainly, if it's a if it's a competition between him and Anthony Discalfani, it's, it's not even close. And right. Discalfani's really not been good for you know three or four years, to be honest. Although I love the guy, I think he's still got a, a boatload of talent. Uh, you know, Miley's sort of the future here. He's the future, one of the core rotation guys for the next uh, five six years. I think one of the things that has really made Miley intriguing is that development of that slider curve i've heard someone call it a knuckle curve i just call it a funky curve like whatever it is it makes a batter look funky and i think that that's like something Derek johnson has you know i don't know if necessarily he taught it to him just this off season but i think he's helped it develop really a lot and i've been i've had a lot of fun watching him so far yeah mally is uh he's not going to overpower people but he's so smart he knows what he's doing out there and having a guy like johnson to Kind of show him the ropes because, you know, Johnson literally wrote a book uh, about it and uh, about pitching and just the strategy side of it. And, and I've always called Miley a poor man's Greg Maddox. Now, he's a very poor man's Greg Maddox. He's not close to Greg Maddox, but he's a guy that's going to outthink you and hit his spots and make the ball do things. And he's going to be as fun to watch. I mean, we love the other guys. Luis Castillo, I love watching him. He's got crazy good stuff. But Miley just, you know, the way he it's kind of reminds me of the way when Bronson Arroyo was hitting his height, the way he could change speeds and move the ball around. Just really fun to watch from a, sitting on a couch or sitting in the stadium and watching. And I agree with you. I think he's going to be uh, crazy fun to watch. And, and yes, he's he's a little funky. 
So let's take this and we're going to twist it all around. Not in a bad way, but I'm going to say, let's do some bold predictions here. I'm thinking that, you know, a lot of the things that we said before the season, I think are still in play. And I think it's even crazier now. There's some folks, you know, and it's a vast minority, but there's some people that are trying to be like, ooh, David Bell, like blah, 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 blah. I think he finishes in the top three for manager of the year. How about that? You know, that's a pretty bold prediction, especially given where we are right now. And I do still have some questions about David Bell, Uh, not questions that make me think the Reds made the wrong decision, but just I'm getting used to the way he manages things. And, Mm -hmm. um, but that's a pretty bold prediction, but I absolutely could see it happening because again, this team has to be better than what they are. And if they, you know, even if they finish, you know, five games under 500, so that's going to be such a huge improvement over last year that Bell's going to get some share of that credit, and, and he should. Absolutely. And it's one thing that, I mean, right now he's only got the theatrics that has gotten me just to like him as a manager between Pittsburgh and then today in L.A. with, uh, oh, uh, Marley, the guy that was behind the plate, the oh, umpire. Yes. His, man, oh, man, his, his strike sound, but. We won't get into that too much because I could talk about that a bunch, but um, just kind of the way that he defends his guys, he really he's he's really out there. Like I don't I don't see him as a guy that is going to sit back in situations where you're like, ah, oh, come on, man, you know, get out there, make yourself known, make yourself that this isn't a good thing. No, I think you're I think you're right. I, I like the way that he is. Uh, I like the intensity a little bit. Uh, I like uh, the fact that when uh, one of his players is getting thrown at. He's out there on the front lines, you know, um, making it be known that he's sticking up for his guys. I love all that. And I love the fact that he's a uh, kind of a not just a fiery guy, but also an analytics uh, type guy. Now, some of that I will see how it's going to manifest itself. But uh, I think sometimes he has a tendency to overmanage, perhaps. But and I question the way uh, he has uh, he and the front office have designed this roster. But I don't know. I think he's got a lot of things going for him. And I'm still excited to have David Bell as the manager. Yeah, I'm with you, and, and we could talk a long time about this, but the whole eight bullpen guys, I just, I, I, I really wish, and and Zach Duke in and of itself, uh, <laughs> but I yeah. really wish we could figure that out, maybe bring up another bench guy and send one of those guys down, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy that way. What about you? I'm going to put you on the spot. Is sure. there some, is there something right now that you're just like, man, no one's thinking this, this is going to happen. Here's my bold prediction. By the end of this season, Kirk Casale is going to be the primary starting catcher for the Cincinnati Reds. Nice. I like that. I, I like it a lot. I mean, you know, I, I don't think it's Tucker Barnhart, but as with the analytics have started to get a little bit more advanced and we see that Barnhart's defense is good, but his pitch framing is among the worst in the league. So maybe that brings him back towards Casale in terms of defensive ability and Casale can rake. I mean, he can hit. He's not, I mean, he's not going to be a superstar hitter. He's not the JT rail Muto, yeah. but I just think, I just think that Casale brings an awful lot to the plate. And that's another guy the Reds essentially got for free. A uh, really good uh, pickup there last year. So uh, I could see him, and people are going to, the average fan's going to look at that and say, are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. But I could see him being the primary starter by the end of the season. There's a lot of Tucker guys out there that are probably going to hit me up after that. But I, you know what? I'm, I was thinking it the other night, just he's got a presence about him. And whenever they said in spring training that Kurt Casale was Sonny Gray's guy, I mean, beyond the Vanderbilt connection, I thought, 
maybe there's something here that this is going to be a lot more even of a timeshare between Tucker and Kirk Casale than maybe in years past. Like, you know, you look at guys like Ryan Hannigan and uh, people backing him up. It's just you had a bona fide guy and then you had guys like Stuart Turner coming off the bench that you're just like, uh, okay, you can't play your catcher every day. We get that. But um, I think now the Reds do have bona fide two number one catchers. I think you're. I think it's a great way to put it. I think you're right. I'm a Tucker Barnhart guy. I'm not trying to criticize Tucker Barnhart in this uh, analysis. I think that they're both legitimate uh, number one. Uh, they're not. Neither one are going to be superstars, but I think they're both legitimate number ones. I think it's a good problem to have. I think that you know I love Tucker Barnhart. Love what he's been able to do. I think still he's the uh, the better defensive catcher. Uh, Casale though can can hit a little better. I, I just I love having them both. And um, I, you know it's not a criticism to say that Casale might be slightly better overall. But it's it's awfully close, and 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 I'm with you. I think having both of them really helps this team. You can kind of forget about catcher at least for now as a weak spot on the team. Real quick, and this is super random, but just off the top of my head, rank these guys in order of favorites and slash probably the best that the Reds have had in these five guys. You've got Tucker, Kirk Casale, Ramon Hernandez, uh, Ryan Hannigan. And I said five, but I'm going to give you six. Um, Jason LaRue and um, Javier Valentin. All right. My favorite side of those guys, I think, uh, and both kind of underrated. Ryan Hannigan. Love mm-hmm. the way he called a game defensively. I love uh, the fact that he could, he got on base. He, could, he never hit with any power, but he always got on base. So I'd probably go Hannigan number one. Uh, LaRue number two. Uh, everyone kind of hates on LaRue because he became a Cardinal and then he was, uh, you know, a big part of that big, uh, I know, right. Big part <laughs> of that kidding. brawl against uh, St. Louis, but he had a, he had a good Reds career that like, he could hit. I mean, he had a couple of years where he was really an above average hitter. Um, I'm probably going to go probably, you know, I have a tough time picking between uh, Ramon Hernandez, Kurt Casale and Tucker Barnhart. I, I may go Barnhart three Casale. Uh, Hernandez four, Casale five, maybe based on what they've done so far for the Reds. Uh, Hernandez not never a good defensive catcher, but man, that guy could hit, I and mean, he mm-hmm. he didn't. He and he was a big part of some teams. And then I put uh, who was the other one? Uh, Javier Valentin. Yeah, the Latin love kind of, machine. Yeah, he was kind of <laughs> off the top of my head. I didn't really think he was yeah. better than any of those guys, but yeah, for sure. No, but not a bad player, and and a guy that contributed to some uh, Reds teams that were uh, alternately uh, okay and uh, and not so good. But, uh, you know, uh, I think Hannigan is one of the most underrated players we've seen in the last 15 years for the Reds. I just think because a lot of his value didn't show up anywhere other than the on-base percentage column. And uh, I'm, I'm a huge Ryan Hannigan fan, big fan of that guy. Did uh, Just in a random thought, did he get a World Series ring with the Red Sox? You know, I don't know. I hope so. You know, I, he uh, deserved it for sure. Yeah, I mean, just a pro's pro, and he was a guy that you could sort of see sticking around for a long time just because he's so good behind the plate. How do you rank those six guys? I I'd have to say, just to be devil's advocate, I'm going to flip Larue and Hannigan. Yeah. I was a huge fan of Hannigan, but Jason Larue was like, as far as catcher goes, like other than Eddie Tobinsey, like he was my favorite growing up, and sure. then. Uh, which I forgot Eddie Tobinsey in these rankings, but I think he would have. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Love me some Eddie Tobinsey, no doubt. Oh, man, Tobinsey was awesome. And then, so, yeah, LaRue, Hannigan, 
I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna go Tucker three. I agree with you there. I just love. There's something about switch hitters, like just gets me. I love switch hitters. Then I'd go Roberto Hernandez, um, or Ramon Hernandez, not Roberto Hernandez, Ramon Hernandez, um, Kurt Casalian, and Javier Valentin. Yeah, completely reasonable. Yeah, I think people uh, need to go back and and revisit Jason Larue's career uh, with the Reds because I mean he really was an effective player and. uh, and loved that guy. He was one another one of those hard nosed guys, kind of like Tucker Barnhart. You love seeing that guy with the the catcher's equipment on back there. I think honestly, back in those days, it was a compliment if a player left the Reds and went to the Cardinals. As much as I hate to admit that, <laughs> that's, that's true at that time. Unfortunately, Ugh. Cardinals. Well, hey, to close it up real quick, I know you've got the Red Leg Nation radio madness going on. How's the first round shaping out so far? Oh, man. Actually, the, the, the voting just closed here, and, and I actually haven't checked the final voting, but I'm afraid that uh, my guy, Lisa Alberto Bonilla, is not going to get out of one of the first <laughs> oh, games, it looks like. But it's a fun little thing we're doing at, uh, at Red Leg Nation Radio. Just uh, you know, 68 team bracket, most valuable red of all time, and, and we seed it out. Uh, all the brackets, just like the college basketball. The, you know, they have a tournament in college basketball every year. They call March Madness. You may have heard of that. Um, I watched a little bit of that this year. I think so. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, so we decided to do one for most valuable red. And it's been fun. We just did the just did the first round basically. So if you go uh, starting on Sunday nights, we're gonna do starting Sunday to Wednesday nights. We're gonna do voting, and and it's all Red Leg Nation Radio listeners and, and RedLegNation.com readers voting on it. As to who gets to the next round, so we'll have the round of 32 coming up this uh, this Sunday. So uh, a lot of the a lot of the higher seeds made it through the first round. Let's say let's put it that way. Yeah, March Madness. I think there was a team that they they either go by the Cavaliers or the Wahoos. I, I don't know which one it is. I, yeah, did did they win? Well, it's a funny story. That's where I went to college, and yeah, the uh, oh, Virginia yeah. Cavaliers won the. National championship, and I'm still on cloud nine. I have not hit the ground yet, so terribly hey, exciting. I don't blame you at all. Well, Chad, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with me today. Like a like you mentioned, go check out Red Leg Nation Radio Madness. They've got that bracket going on, and remember, folks, it's all in good fun. We're just picking the most valuable red here. It's nothing important. It's only the best red ever to play baseball. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> Chad, thank you. And there's much. been a lot of. Hey, listen, man, appreciate it. Love the podcast. Keep doing what you're doing, man. It's, it's a really good stuff over here. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you soon. We'll see you. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.